You're listening to an episode of Law Review Squared, the Law Review Review. It is 8 p.m. on Wednesday, November 4th. I'm joined today by our panel, Joanne and Seth, who will ask to answer the question, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Let's start with Seth. Uh, my go-to pizza is uh, pineapple. Yeah, definitely. Joanne? The same. That's my go-to. You guys are heretics. Pineapple uh, on pizza is an offense against nature itself. While supplies last, you can get a free Law Review Squared sticker by sending your mailing address to lexclava at gmail.com. That's L-E-X-C-L-A-V-A at gmail.com. We will not share your personal information with anybody. And a reminder that opinions here are those of the panelists and do not represent the view of Penn State Dickinson Law, panelists, present, former, or future employers, or any other entity. Contents of this recording do not constitute legal advice. And now I'll turn the episode over to Seth. With the election last night and the world still waiting to hear the official results of the presidential election, it might be a good time to take a look at the Bush versus Gore Supreme Court case of 2000. Although the United States has a uh, relatively extensive history of some presidential elections that weren't clearly decided on election night, uh, the presidential election of 2000 is one that sort of weighs on the country's conscience and is something that we really try not to repeat. So this week we took a look at uh, David A. Strauss's article from the University of Chicago Law Review titled Bush versus Gore, What Were They Thinking? In the article, uh, David Strauss, he takes a hardline stance against the court's ruling from the onset in Bush versus Gore, and he attempts to decipher uh, what the justices were weighing when they issued their decision. David Strauss is a well-versed um, litigant in the Supreme Court and has argued a number of cases in it, before it, rather. Uh, he's also been a professor at Georgetown, Harvard, University of Chicago, and has served even as the assistant to the Solicitor General under uh, the Reagan, uh, Reagan's first term, I believe. I think it's important to touch on the history of Bush versus Gore uh, before we go ahead with the discussion, given the current circumstances that we're in and what we're looking at, especially in Pennsylvania, where we're at. Uh, in the upcoming weeks and months. So the, the election of 2000 ultimately came down to Florida and whoever won Florida's electoral votes would take the presidency. Uh, Florida, however, was called for Bush the night of the election or rather on uh, November 8th, who won it with only, he won it with only 1,700 votes, which is 0.009%. Now, Florida law allows for recounts of votes to occur by county upon request. So Gore called for a recount of only four Florida counties, um, and all four of those counties tended to air Democratic and vote Democratic. And so, um, he, you know, he just called for a recount of those four ones. However, Florida also requires that all counties submit their election results to the Florida Secretary of State within seven days of the election. The counties who were performing a recount pretty much said that meeting that deadline was impossible. So the Florida Supreme Court gave them, uh, well, they ruled that the Florida counties would still need to submit their original result by the seven-day deadline, but those counties that were performing the recount could then submit an amended result after the fact to the Florida Secretary of State, and it would be up to her, uh, who was Catherine Harris was her name, whether to ultimately submit the amended totals um, sort of to the to the national pool or whatever. Long story short, the case goes up to the Supreme Court and in a seven to two decision, uh, the Supreme Court stays the recount. And then in a five to four decision, which was kind of divided along um, ideological lines, the Supreme Court essentially says, you know, we're done here, time to move on. And the rest is history, pretty much. Um, now, the irony here in this whole thing is that the four counties that Gore had requested to have the recount in, 
wouldn't have done anything. He, Bush still would have ended up winning Florida, but had Gore actually requested the entire state be recounted, Gore would have won. So I guess, you know, the moral is uh, don't be shy, be bold. So on to the article uh, by David Strauss. Essentially, hindsight is twenty twenty. So first, uh, what do you folks make of the Supreme Court's decision in Bush versus Gore to end the recount and essentially move the nation on? Does that potentially, in delaying the results of the presidential election while the world hangs in the balance, does that justify waiting for a result that nobody really knows if that result is going to change anything or not? Um, Tony? Sure. Um, so... I do think that there's a couple things that happened here, and one of them, I think we'll probably get into this later. I don't think the Supreme Court thought that this was a situation that was going to keep recurring. I think they thought that this was a one-off thing where only once would the election come down to be so, so close. There was the state law that said that the recounts, any recounts had to be complete by December 12th. The Electoral College itself was meeting on the 18th. I don't think it would have been right for the nation to move the electoral electoral college's vote date. So there was a need to have the uh, electoral vote settled. I'm not sure that uh, a better solution wouldn't wouldn't have been Justice uh, uh, Byers' solution to have the deadline be the 18th instead of the 12th. Um, but given the state of everything as, as it as it was, I, I mean, I think that there was a need for certainty, and at some point, it was necessary to say, "This is it. We're not going to keep counting and recounting and recounting." Joanne, any thoughts? I think that it was justified just to finally end it because I feel like it would have gone like full circle over and over, you know recount oh you must have recounted wrong and um there's the question of would it really have made a difference well i mean probably not um because you know there are so many votes that we get so i feel like that small amount that we would recount doesn't make enough of a difference for us to like continue causing unrest because that's what that waiting causes. Um, so I feel like just them saying, yeah, we're just going to stop it here. Um, that was the right choice. In an opinion by the Supreme Court defending this day, uh, it was claimed that allowing the recount would threaten irreparable harm to Governor Bush. Uh, in the article, Strauss makes the argument that the harm cut both ways and that Gore was equally harmed by the stay of the recount. What are your thoughts on this argument that Strauss puts forward? And, uh, you know, was, was Gore harmed, although he had already conceded to Bush and, and, you know, made the phone call. What do you think? Um, I feel like, well, I don't think that he was really harmed by it just because, you know, the results were what they were and, you know, um, at least they were civil about it. Like, all right, this is what it is. We recounted. We decided that the, enough is enough. Um, so I feel like, yeah, he lost. But you know, like, you know, you're go what you're going into. You're gonna win or you're gonna lose, and you just have to accept the fact. So I feel like it didn't hurt him. You know, maybe his pride a little bit, but. <laughs> 
Not much else. <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I do think the presidency is, is a little bit more than pride, but I also think that the president is whoever is elected by the Electoral College, not um, necessarily see something that you can have a personal right to. So I don't really buy the argument that Gore um, was harmed in the sense that he would, something that he had a right to was removed from him. I also think that the argument that Governor then President Bush was harmed. Um, Scalia's argument was that it would cause claims that his presidency was illegitimate. Well, that happened anyway, and he still won re-election. So if he was harmed, he was not harmed very much. Yeah. Uh, Strauss also argues that Bush's writ of certiorari uh, should not have been granted by the uh, Supreme Court in the first place because the primary argument put forth by Bush was based on a faulty reading of uh, a United States Code, uh, 3 U.S.C. Section 5, which is an election law, and that the Supreme Court tends to err on the side of denying writs, um, especially in cases with faulty arguments. So should the Supreme Court have denied that writ and kind of look past the error, or rather, or look past the errors in it um, and in the case, and kind of put forth a decision regardless. I actually think uh, here, this is one of the areas where Strauss is wrong. Um, the Supreme Court denies uh, certiorari in a lot of cases, but that's also because a lot of cases get appealed to the Supreme Court that are, are kind of nonsense, right? They're very strong on the side of one one point for the other. Here, this was not nonsense. This this was a question of national significance. Um, the Supreme Court was the only final judicial body that really represents the nation that was capable of making a definitive decision. It was entirely appropriate, in my opinion, for the Supreme Court to take the case, whether or not they considered it correctly. Um, you know, it, it is a different question. Whether they reach the right decision is a different question. But given the you know the place and time that we were at, I don't think that there that it it was it would have been appropriate to leave it just to the Florida Supreme Court. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am. Um, if the election had been decided by the Florida Supreme Court, I think that we could have ended up for, with the country having a crisis and confidence in the judicial branch as a whole, rather than um, you know what, what we had, where at least confidence in the judicial branch during the first uh, term of, of Bush's presidency was not really shaken. Sophie, any thoughts? I basically agree with everything that Tony said. Um, you know, I don't think it would have been right just to you know, leave it, um, maybe if there had been, like, a extreme, like, divide, like, oh, for sure it's gonna go one way, and we're gonna intentionally try and stop that. Um, I think then, like, that might have, you know, changed what the decision should have been, but if I'm making any sense, um, so... I think it, they made the right decision. Seth, let, go ahead and jump in here and ask, I mean, what, what do you feel about this? Unfortunately, Joanne wasn't even alive when this case was decided, but you were. Um, and, you know, you, I, what, what was your, your feeling on Strauss's argument? Because it, it seems to me that, like, I mean, the Supreme Court is notorious for denying cert on everything. 
Yeah, I, I, in this case, yeah, I was a little iffy on, on Strass's argument as well. I mean, if you're looking at a presidential election, like you said, you don't want necessarily the Florida Supreme Court to decide it. At some point, it is a federal question, right? At some point, the federal government has to step in. Um, I'm a little still divided on their ultimate decision to stay the, the recount so quickly. Um, at least, you know, let it finish once or something. I don't know, but that's kind of splitting hairs at this point. But to, to accept the the, um, the writ, I, I think was the right move. Um, yeah, I think I th something of that grave of importance, I think uh, the Supreme Court has to step in. So one of the interesting things that came out of this article was um, something we've heard from Professor Groom. Um Strauss was essentially saying that the um, Supreme Court justices already had their mind made up and they just kind of um, found a way to comport their decision with what they had already decided. But um, it, I mean, there were a few days here. If this is all you focused on in your Supreme Court justice, I don't think that it's a given that Strauss is correct that they didn't give the law consideration because as a law student on a three-day deadline, I can still do research and, and think about what I'm saying. I mean, what do you feel about that? So, so last night when I was watching the election results, there was a really interesting legal analysis that somebody came up and did. I don't remember who did it, but they're saying like, you know, what are these legal teams and these campaigns doing? And they're like, well, for the past, you know, we knew this was going to happen for the past six months. We've been studying up on the laws. We've been learning them. And right now we're starting to kind of implement our strategies and things like that, given the facts. And um, so I'm sure, I mean, if you're a Supreme Court justice, I'm sure you've been reading up on this stuff or do every four years, you know, some this idea that they're taking a fresh look at the law. I mean, then again, I mean, I'm not a Supreme Court justice. I don't know, but I, I pretty much assume that they, that they, you know, had a good idea of of what was going on. So I, I is to disagree with Strauss on that one. So in the next question, Strauss, he makes the point that a state's election regulations are a power reserved for the states and that the Supreme Court, therefore, essentially usurped the state's rights by ending the recount and thereby voting, uh, I'm sorry, voiding the ruling of the Florida Supreme Court. So where's the line between states' rights and something being in the nation's best interest to the point where the federal government can intrude and overrule certain states and certain areas in certain situations? Any thoughts on that one? Sophie, you want to you take that one? Um, I think the line is drawn where if it's of national importance, like if, say, you're in the South and you see someone get shot or something. It's that state's job to bring justice. It's not a national crisis. And if there's like a serial killer going across all the states in the South, you know, then that's like a bigger deal. So I feel like the line is like whether or not it's of national importance and the election is that affects the entire nation. It's like, it, there's no doubt about it that the Supreme Court has to have some say in that, that it can't just be down to each state because it is so important to every single state. Tony, what do you think about that one? Yeah, so I, th I thought it was kind of interesting to see somebody who is essentially advocating for Gore 
also advocating for state rights, which is traditionally the Republican position, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, um, in my opinion, you know, the line between uh, federal authority and, and state power, if I'm the Supreme Court, the line is wherever I say it is. And if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. Um, one of the things on this point that I didn't like uh, with what Strauss said, and here I'm quoting from his, his article, one of the consequences of a federal system of government is that sometimes state authorities will abuse their power in ways that the federal government is powerless to correct. And quote, I think that's entirely wrong. The purpose of the federal government is to uh, provide a check to the state governments which go out of control. Um, and if we're talking about things other than elections, it is almost certainly, I, I mean, I think that as Joanne expressed, there, there, it's more clear that it's the job of the federal government to step in. We did reserve the ways and means of our elections to the to the states. Um, I did say in a previous episode of this podcast that I thought that it was appropriate for local control of elections, local determinations for methods. I do think that we're seeing in this election, we do need some kind of standards as far, and they should be national standards as far as like whether if you're in line when the polls close, does that mean that you're still allowed to vote? Um, if you've mailed in your ballot, what does it matter what day that it arrives or what day it was postmarked? Then things like that, I think um, we're seeing now really do need to be settled on a, on a federal level. Um, if you take Strauss's argument, it's almost like there shouldn't be federal election laws because it's overridden. And I, I was not comfortable with that. What did you think on this one? I agree with you as well. I, um, you know, if it was anything other than the presidential election, maybe I would have like a, a second thought or I would consider it a little, little deeper, but, um, you know, in this, in this case, it was certainly a federal issue. And I guess in terms of kind of like legal authority, I see his argument, but this is one of those kind of unprecedented literally examples of, um, you know, when you just got to kind of figure it out as you go along. And if, if you don't exactly follow states' rights or something, or, or if you accidentally intrude on them or purposely intrude on them, you know, it's, it's in the nation's best interest and it's ultimately utilitarian. And, and so I, I also kind of uh, err away from Strauss's argument as well. Um, but in terms of, you know, the voting that we're seeing, uh, well, last night, I think another thing to bring up is it's interesting is, is that, you know, every state has different times at which they open and count the ballots, the mail-in ballots that we're seeing last night. That's why Pennsylvania's taken so long. And that's why the, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin, I think just finally were settled like an hour ago or something. Um, so, I mean, that whereas Arizona was able to be called last night, Colorado was able to be called last night, and those all had pretty hefty mail-ins. So, to an extent, I mean, the 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 management and the implication, I think, of voting um, is a local and state level um, power, but kind of these these less specific kind of broad guidelines, I think, should uh, necessarily be left to the federal government to kind of provide some oversight for so that things like this don't happen where we're suddenly questioning Pennsylvania and questioning the the, the, the Midwest and, and things like that. I mean, that that's a little dangerous, I think. And then uh, I guess going back to you folks, uh, what are your thoughts on last night's election, the kind of the current situation with the mail-in ballots and the, 
the legal issues starting to arise and litigation that's been going on and is probably going to increase in the upcoming weeks and month. Sophie, you want to? Oh, yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, Without saying um, my political views, um, I'll say that I'm just very nervous about, like, you know, civil unrest that may come out of um, this election that I have no doubt will come out of this election. I'm actually um, looking at the at the map right now for the results, and it looks like Michigan and Wisconsin um, have both been turned to Biden, um, and you know Pennsylvania uh, is still you know uh, on the edge. We don't know what what we're going to have. Um, and it's really unnerving, honestly, because, you know, we are going to have to wait and we've already, it's already been established that we're going to have to wait for the results. Um, I feel like there may be a point if it gets super close that the Supreme court may have to get involved. Um, and I feel like that's extremely reasonable just because of how important this is. Um, how important elections are, uh, especially the presidential election. Um, so I think just like, you know, with the mail-in ballots, you know, if you mail them in, they're going to be counted. They should be counted. And right now that's what we're counting on. <laughs> so like I said, I'm nervous about the civil unrest that is going to come out of no matter who wins. Um feel like there's going to be some some uproar. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, um, it's pretty similar. I mean, I think some degree of uproar is fine, regardless of who wins. There's obviously people who care very deeply about these things. Uproar does not necessarily mean, you know, rioting and looting. Um, uproar hopefully doesn't mean, um, you know, the types of murders that we've seen um you know, in Kenosha or something like that either. The um, one thing that this is is kind of bringing forward to me, though, is that, like, I almost wonder whether revolving around the presidential election specifically, not necessarily other offices, um, should have original jurisdiction with the Supreme Court, because ultimately that's probably the only body that can, um, I mean, your district court is where things get filed to begin with, right? And then they have to get appealed into a, into a circuit court of appeals, and then they appeal up to the Supreme Court. But in cases like this, you now going into district court that is going to be appealed no matter which way the judge rules, right? Um, you know that it's going to be appealed from the circuit also. Um, and it's time sensitive, right? Lawsuits take a long time uh, to, wor- to work their way through. Um, if the Supreme Court had original jurisdiction and like an expedited docket every four years just for the presidential election, because it does seem like we're going to end up in court over the election every four years from now on, um, that may resolve some of the problems. And the faster you have a definitive resolution, I think that ends the prospect for unrest. Uh, part of the problem is that things are in flux and we don't know what's happening and that makes people nervous. Yeah, I agree. It was, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I, I guess I wasn't, I'm not so surprised at the outcomes yet um, in terms of like the politics of it, but it is interesting to see how well Republicans did in down ballot races, uh, especially in Pennsylvania. And I think that kind of goes back to the COVID and, and in Pennsylvania here, we had a, 
uh, an early uh, shutdown that caused a little bit of uh, despair among some people and did did affect our economy significantly. Um, and I think I think that played a lot into it. But in terms of you know the litigation coming up, uh, it will be interesting to see because it seems like one of the few questions left is the difference between provisional ballots and mail-in ballots. Um, and the mail-in ballot decision has already kind of been decided by the circuit court. I guess it could go up to the Supreme Court, but I, I suspect that Roberts does not want to take that on. Uh, the Chief Justice, is he he seems to be one that is very protective over the the, the sort of validity of the court and, and the reputation of the court, at least under him. And so I, I suspect that he's going to try to keep it out of the Supreme Court as much as he can, unless it's um, unless it gets, you know, unless the situation gets too hot. But uh, I think uh, I think, you know, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania are going to be the the two deciders uh, for sure um, in terms of the litigation, at least. I do believe that the Trump campaign has already filed uh, for an injunction in Michigan. Um whether or not that's going to be determined, our listeners will know because this won't come out until the 9th, but uh, we don't know right now. Um, and I do think that the litigation is important. Is that the right answer? Should our elections be decided by litigation? Joanne, you um, have not voted yet. You will be probably in the next election. I mean, is watching this and watching the last election, we stayed up and watched that Um has that shaken your uh, confidence in democracy in this country at all? Um, well, you're right. I have not voted. Um, and, you know, uh, many of my friends have not voted. And, of course, um, it's just in our nature to talk about it. Um, I feel like a lot of people my age, uh, you know, that are just on the brink of being able to vote are have been really shaken by the last couple of elections just because um, they've been close or they've been, you know, it feels like they're being like overrun or, you know, it's just, it feels so scary not knowing what's going to happen with your country and knowing that you didn't have any say. And I guess it kind of has shaken my thoughts of about democracy just because you know feels like are we really is are the people actually voting and getting their votes counted and are they going to matter um which is a really scary thought to think that they may not um which i think is a thought going through a lot of people's heads like it's going to be changed we're never going to know if um, you know, the results could have been different. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, my, my faith in democracy kind of has been shaken, um, by the last couple of elections, especially this one, especially this one. That's an interesting clarity. Um, Joanne has not voted because she is 17 and not old enough to vote, not because she's irresponsible <laughs> and not voting. <laughs> uh, that's totally, an interesting I point. would totally vote. I would totally vote. Everybody, make sure you vote in all the elections that you can vote in. All your state and county voting, anything you can vote in. Um, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, I, I, 
And I think that's a, a product of the polarization of the electorate, really. I mean, if, you know, you almost never know which way the elections are going to go and, and you don't know, you know, what the effects of that are. And, and in a perfect world, you would think that even if it did get so polarized that you would have an extreme candidate out there, whether on the right or the left, that, that you know, the balance of powers would take effect and, uh, you know, you would have uh, a Congress that maybe stands up you know, against their own party member or something, but we're seeing that not happen. And I mean, I mean, just looking and watching the different debates going on today, the presidential debates and, you know, more and more American politics is not about policy at all. It's about theater to the point where, you know, people are voting for things that they have no idea what the issue even is. They just know that they have a stance on it because, you know, their person, their team, their tribe is, you know, that's what that's what's on their bumper sticker or whatever. And it's like, man, I, that is that's dangerous. And I don't think I think we kind of downplay it because we're used to it, um, especially, you know, being Americans and being kind of involved in it all. But, you know, it's in, in terms of, you know, power structure and, and world order. I mean, that kind of stuff is so dangerous that I'm hoping that the next four years, whoever ends up winning, I hope that you know, that, that we're able to kind of calm that down a little bit and start to start to see that tribalism dissipate in some regard over the next generation of Americans. Okay. And um, on that, I, I certainly agree with that sentiment. I would like to see the tribalism decrease as well. Um, but we are just about out of time. Thanks again to our panel, Joanne and Seth. Reminder, you can find a link to the article we discussed by going to lawreviewsquared.com and looking at our episode notes. You can record your vote on upcoming topics by Twittering suggestions to at Squared Law. Please like, follow, subscribe, or give us a rating wherever you found this podcast. And especially tell your friends if you happen to like this podcast, ask them to listen to you because they might like it as well. Audio post-processing was by Mohammed Salim. See you next time.